Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark, and for this very special episode, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by 2000 AD art droid extraordinaire Chris Weston. Chris, welcome to the book club and thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you. It's about time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were on the waiting list, but thank you so much. Uh, this is really no great. We're going to be talking about a splendid new Treasury of British Comics book uh, in a moment. But before I get to that, let's do the 2000 AD and comics origin stories. Can you tell us a little bit about your first experiences with comics and how you got into them? Oh, right. Well, um, uh, I grew up as an army brat and uh, spent a lot of time abroad. Uh, I mean, I was born in 69. My dad was in the army. Uh, so we grew up in on. I grew up on army bases abroad quite a lot. So in a lot of those places, I didn't have a TV. So you know, my main way of entertaining myself was reading comics and and drawing and drawing my own comics. And so it just seemed logical, really, that you know that was going to be my career path. Really, I was absolutely obsessed with comics. Luckily, I had a dad uh, who. Um, Love reading comics as well. So you know, I had some. I didn't. I didn't. We, we, I didn't just read them, but I'd read them with my dad, and we'd discuss it. My, my dad absolutely loved Judge Dredd. Um, oh, great! Yeah, yeah. I think he was slightly more right wing than Judge Dredd. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've always, you know, as, as a child, I've always read comics, and I was always encouraged to read them. And you know, as I say, I didn't just read them. I, I, we, me and my dad would discuss them as well. So, uh, you know, I had my own little uh, comics forum going on in my home. <laughs> Fantastic. And was your dad? Was he sort of like an eagle fan, or you know? Oh, yes, yes. He was always telling me that uh, the Dan Dan two thousand AD was, wasn't the real Dan Dan, and wasn't as good as the real Dan Dan. <laughs> A pale imitation of the original. Oh, Yes, he was quite horrified about uh, the Dan Dare in 2000 AD. And what about yourself in 2000 AD? When did you start reading that? Uh, I think I picked it up from Prog 3. Oh, right, uh, very early then. Yeah, oh, definitely. But, I mean, I would have been earlier um, because, I mean, I, I'd been reading comics for years anyway, uh, you know, Pretty pretty much all of them. I think my dad just used to, must, have, must have just bought all of them because I read like stuff like The Lion, Valiant, Vulcan, uh, Battle, Hot Spurs, uh, all the adventure books really. I mean, I'm very much, I very pretty much grew up on British comics. Uh, I didn't, I just never came across American comics really. But they, um, I don't, because all the comics I bought or, or the or that were bought for me were the ones that were distributed to British army bases you know in the, 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 there's a, a shop called the Naffy I can't remember what that stands for yes I remember yeah but it's where you could buy tins of beans and pick up newspapers and stuff uh, and so I think they only imported British comics and I didn't really discover uh, American comics till much later Okay, and would the Naffy have included Look and Learn as a comic? No, I don't remember seeing Look and Learn, no. Okay, all right. Well, we'll come back to that in a moment. Yeah. Because obviously the book I've brought you on to talk about is uh, The Rise and Fall of the Trigon Empire, Volume yeah. 1. 
And you're possibly one of the best placed people for me to ask this one question. Am I getting the pronunciation right? Do you say trigon or trigon? Well, Don and I, when we talked about it, we, um, we called it trigon. Good. Okay. I'm with, I'm with you then as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So this is the first volume of the Trigon Empire, um, a treasury of British comics release from the 19th of March, which is about 10 days or so away from where we are now, but it will be about... It will be on the shelves for about 10 days when this podcast comes out. Written by Mike Butterworth, art by Don Lawrence. Uh, I guess in probably lettered by Don himself as well, mostly? Uh, no, he, he never he never lettered his own work. Oh, did he not? Right. Was that somebody from the studio? Uh, I suspect that was probably Rob Van Barmel, who ah. is pretty much uh, an unsung hero of you know, of, of the Trigon Empire. Uh, it's, it's pretty much him who has archived all the originals and made sure they're all scanned and cleaned up. Uh, he's done an amazing job. Ah, now he gets thanked in the, uh, in, in the sort of credits for this book, and I did wonder about that. He deserves a massive thanks. Without, you know, it, without his passion... Because he used to run the Don Lawrence fan club in Holland... Right. And uh, without his passion, this, this book couldn't exist, really, because as soon as he found out that Don had all the originals, he set about making sure they were all scanned and cleaned and, and good-looking, you know, before they got sold off, to, you know, around the world. I mean, if he hadn't done that, they would have been sold off and we, we wouldn't have been able to have just such an amazing collection. Fantastic. Okay, so... Um... We'll we'll mention him again as we go along then, but this is from originally from Ranger Comic in September nineteen sixty five, mm-hmm. and then it jumps into Look and Learn in June nineteen sixty six, where it, amazingly it continues until nineteen eighty two. I gather, right? So tell us um, just before we get into the creators themselves, what about what is the Trigon Empire about? What's the sort of comic book about? Well, I, I first um, discovered it not through Ranger or Look and Learn. Um, I discovered it when it was reprinted in the pages of uh, Vulcan. Oh, yes, yeah. Because uh, Which was a really nice little comic that reprinted, like, the best of IPC. Uh, it had, like, the Spider and Robot Archie and the Steel Claw and My Tech the Mighty. It's just all it just have all the classic characters uh, and also it, it contained um, the Trigon Empire. The way I, I described it as a kid is the best way. It, it's like Romans in space. It's as simple as that, really. It's it's like a science fiction story, but set on a planet that looks very much like the uh, Roman Empire. Uh, it's, so it looks like a. Like, a, a, a typical 1950s or 60s sword and sandal epic like Ben-Hur or um, El Cid or what, what's some of the other ones, Spartacus. It yes. looks like those... Uh, I mean, with Don's photorealistic art, oh, it looks exactly like those kind of films. I mean, it, looks like, <laughs> it looks like Don's painted it in Technicolor. It's amazing. It does. It's, it is really a Technicolor comic, isn't it? Mm, it's really big, sort of 70 millimeter, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, yes. Uh, and, but, you know, I mean, Romans are great, but Romans with ray guns and spaceships, we, you can't go wrong, really, as, you know, as a kid. And I think that's basically the, you know, the big hook of it, really. What's the, 
it's set on another planet called Alexon, and I always kind of assumed it's like a an Earth from an alternative dimension where the, uh, the the Roman Empire didn't die out and just kept going and going and getting modern technology. That's my own personal headcanon on it. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I mean, I'd forgotten that there was, well, I don't think I probably ever knew, actually. I remember the Trigon Empire, but I didn't remember that there's a sort of framing device right at the start. Oh, yeah. About a chap who basically uh, a spaceship crashes on Earth and then they have to decipher this sort of text. And this chap spends his life studying the language until he can basically tell the story of the rise and fall of the uh, Trigon Empire. Yeah, yeah. We never got to the fall, unfortunately. That, That would have been really interesting. Yes, it would. But as you say, Romans on a planet in space with uh, science fiction and high tech, it's great. Yeah. So probably this is, I would, I'm pretty sure, it's going to be the best-remembered comics work of these two creators. Mm. We'll mention Mike Butterworth first, um, who did... I gather actually trained as an artist himself before switching to writing. Um, and wrote things like Battle of Britain and Max Bravo and stuff. But he also, he had various pseudonyms. He wrote crime novels and gothic romances under, I gather, as well. <laughs> Again, this is, as I say, probably his best-known comics work. Yeah. No, I don't know much about him, unfortunately. Um, I, can, I, I can talk loads about Don, but... Um... Well, that's why we brought you on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know much about Mike at all. Let's turn to Don Lawrence, because this is, I mean, the big thing about this book is the Don Lawrence, as you say, glorious uh, 70mm Technicolor artwork. So tell us a bit about Don and his career in comics. Um, Well, Don broke into comics through um, drawing Marvel Man. Oh, right. Which was like, the. this is in the 1950s. I I think that was his first paid professional job. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the same Marvel man that Alan Moore went on to write years later. Yes. Uh, he, he did that in, in black and white. And they're really good, actually. When you look at um, Don's work on Marvel Man, it's all there. His, 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 anatomy, his anatomy is all there. Um, and, it's, it's, and it's, well, to my eyes, it's immediately, immediately recognisable as its art. I, I remember when um, Warrior came out and Marvel Man was brought back, and I was... I was like showing showing it to him, I was really, and I said, "Oh, you should draw an episode in you know in your modern style." <laughs> we never quite never quite talked him into it, but that oh, would, that would have been so that would have been so great. great. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But he, I think he uh, he maintained an affection for Marvel Man because um, he did uh, appear in the background of a couple of Storm episodes, I think. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah, um, but so then from Marvel Man, he went on to he started work for IPC and drawing stuff like Olak the Gladiator and Carl the Viking. Um, these, all these strips are in black and white, and and wow, uh, I mean, I, I just praised his Marvel Man stuff, but the, the increase in quality of his art during his time on Carl the Viking is absolutely amazing. Uh, I mean, I, um, I'm really fond of his black and white work. Um, not, many, not many people get to see that. Hopefully, maybe if these Trigon books are a success, we can get the uh, after this get the Carl the Viking books as well, which would be pretty cool. Uh, um, and anyway, to get back on track, uh, eventually he was given the job of doing a full colour Carl the Viking strip 
in uh, a, a lion annual. Uh, I think it was his first ever full colour job, and it's it's bloody amazing. And from that, on the strength of that, he got the offer to do the Trigon Empire, which he pretty much stayed with for another ten years. Yes, ten years working on this, and uh, um, it's two pages per issue, I guess, yeah. weekly comics. Yeah, but he was doing um, he was doing other stuff as well. I, I, I it, it blows my mind, really. I, 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 I he was doing like two. Four colour pages of Trigon Empire a week. Um, I mean, in proper sort of fully painted, photorealistic style. But on top of that, he was also drawing Tarzan in is it TV21. Yeah. And on top of that, drawing a strip, uh, a smutty strip called Carrie in... Uh, oh, is it Penthouse or Playboy? I th- I it's, it's one of the top shelf magazines, wasn't it? Mayfair, yes. Mayfair, that's the one, yes. That's like, it says two pages of Trigon Empire, two pages of Tarzan, uh, and once a month a page of, a full-colour page of Carrie. I, I, I don't know, I, I, it blows my mind, really. Yes, well, I mean, particularly when we look at the Trigon Empire pages, because they're just, as you say, they are glorious, stunning things. Mm. Um you know, quite how he produced two of those a week is beyond me, but also producing all those other comic pages at the same time. Mm. It's astonishing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I know he also did some, he did some other Jerry Anderson comics. He did some work on Fireball XL5, I think. Yeah. Um, So amazing stuff. Yeah. And he sticks with the Trigon Empire for about 10 years until 76. Yeah, that's right. And then, of course, unfortunately, we get the sad, sad story of you know creators getting paid for reprints and stuff like that. Yeah, that's what did it. I think he went out to a convention in Europe and suddenly realised just how well known he was and how widespread, you know, his work was. You know, appearing throughout Europe and you know the massive sales. And I think he went back and asked for a raise. I think they just fired him on the spot. Oh blimey! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, um, I don't think he was that worried because I think by then he'd, he'd had uh, offers from probably from his Dutch publisher. Uh, so that was that was kind of the end of that, really. And you you mentioned Storm, um, yeah. which you know, as you said, he put a little Marvel Man cameo in. That's what he moves on to. Yeah, that's right. And um, that that's a huge seller around the world, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like a sort of a Flash Gordon-y John Carter of Mars type story, you know, with an astronaut ending up um, having all these event, getting, you know, uh, losing his way in the galaxy and you know not being able to find his way back to Earth and going to all these different planets, having different adventures. They even ended up with a with a villain who's I can't remember his name now, um, but he looked very much like Ming the Merciless. And there's 23 collected volumes of Storm, I gather. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, just. That's even more than Trigon, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, yeah. And, and once again, he was doing uh, two pages a week of that. And I'm jumping ahead a little bit towards, you know, the later parts of his career, but he won, um, if there's a European Comic Award for art, I think he's won most of them at some point during his career. Yeah. I mean, I mean he's, he's not really well known in this country, but, um, you know, in, in Holland, he's, he was very much considered a, you know, a megastar. Yeah, I'm you know I'm fascinated by the idea of him going to an overseas convention and suddenly find out that he's sort of 
certainly European famous, whereas over here nobody seems to know him. No, I know, I know. We, we went, Don and I went to, um, is it UCAC 88? It was like the classic UCAC, UK comic art convention. It's the one that's, sort of, that's sort of now considered like the Woodstock of comics. Yes. Because uh, um, not only was like every known creator was there, but every, almost everyone who, it, every one of the punters who went there has now gone on to become a comic book creator in their own right. Um, Amazing. Yeah, um, but he could, he could walk, you know, through that through that through that convention without um, quite easy without people recognizing him, not not uh, not knowing who he is. Uh, but in contrast to going to a convention in Holland or uh, France and there, where he would just be mobbed, really astonishing. In fact, um, I was talking to his 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 wife the other day. Um, we're still in touch, and. She went to the dentist or something. I mean, she had a Dutch dentist, and and she she just got talking, and she mentioned her husband. She mentioned, she, I think she mentioned him by name, Don Lawrence, and this Dutch dentist went, "Not the Don Lawrence." And she's like, uh, "Well, yeah." He's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I'm, you know, fixing the teeth of Don Lawrence's wife." He was absolutely staggered and blown away. So he, you know, really is quite famous out there. Well done, that dentist, yes. Yeah. I hope she got a discount. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yes. If that dentist is listening, come on the podcast. Mm. Uh, okay, so take us back. You mentioned that this is sort of, he was doing this in inks. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, his techniques on this uh, amazing artwork of these two pages a week. Well, on, on Trigon, um, it was, he was painting it in coloured inks. I think towards the end, he just started to introduce... Uh, I never know how to pronounce this. Gouache? Gouache? Oh, yes, yeah. Probably gouache. That's when Don introduced me to the stuff. He called it gouache. <laughs> but uh, then when I went to college, they, everyone was calling it gouache, so I don't know if Don was wrong. Um, anyway, I still call it gouache <laughs> in his memory. Um, uh, yeah, uh, but mostly the Trigon Empire is painted in coloured inks. Uh, unfortunately, that doesn't mean they're very light fast. I mean, I've had a page of uh, Don Lawrence art on my wall for ages, and recently I just thought that doesn't seem as bright as it was. And I compared it to a, like a photo, the fin- finished page, and it really sort of faded. I thought, oh no! So I quickly took that down. Right. So uh, if you've got any Don Lawrence artworks, don't bloody hang it on the walls. I'm no. warning you. <laughs> uh, once he was on Storm, he'd switch to gouache or gouache uh, full time. Always tried to talk him into having a go acrylic, but he wasn't really interested. No, no, no. And then Ranger, and I think Look and Learn particularly, I think has reasonable. I seem to remember reasonable paper stock. It wasn't the sort oh, of yeah. bog paper. And this stuff just looked absolutely amazing. I can, you know, in those two pages in each week. Yeah, so did the Vulcan. Vulcan was really nicely printed as well. Was it? All yeah. right. That was on glossy paper. And we've mentioned that he's doing all these different pages for all these different comics each week. And the the page rates then, I've seen some figures, I think possibly back to his, you know, Carl the Viking days of about a pound a page. It seems, you know, it seems astonishing that he was only getting paid that for this glorious work. God, I don't know anything about that. I think, I think by the time he was, in the latter years on the Trigon Empire, he was on a pretty good wage. I mean, he had... Uh, 
Well, I suppose you would be knocking out all those pages. <laughs> yeah. Think about it. Um, well, I don't think he was ever... Uh, he, I mean, he had five kids, so he must have been doing quite well. Right. <laughs> well, I hope so, because this stuff is just, you know, some of the most stunning artwork yeah. that we've seen on this podcast, I think, ever. Um, mm. So you mentioned you discovered him in reprints, or you discovered the Trigon Empire in reprints in Vulcan. Mm. Mm. How did you come to meet Don himself and end up sort of studying with him? It's just a bizarre coincidence, really. I mean, once I'd seen his artwork in Vulcan, he, you know, that was it. That was like he was my favourite artist, and I was, I was a total fanboy. Um, uh, I mean, Vulcan folded pretty quickly. Uh, so it was quite hard to find Don's work after that. Um, I, you know, I found some copies of Look and Learn in the library that had his artwork in it, which blew my mind because I, I didn't realise his artwork didn't originate in Vulcan. I, um, I had no idea that it's previously appeared in Look and Learn. Uh, but it was quite hard to get hold of his artwork. Uh, but I, but I, I, was, I was so familiar with his style that I could... I, you know, whenever it did appear, I knew it was him immediately. Uh, I think um, Action Weekly did a, uh, a summer special that reprinted Carl the Viking. Uh, so I, I spotted that. Uh, what, what, what else? I can't, no, it's, it's, it's Oh, yes, uh, Hamlin brought out a big, fat book of the Trigon Empire. Yes, I was going to say, there was a Hamlin uh, collection at uh, one point, wasn't there? Yeah, and it was even um, reviewed in 2000 AD. And that, that's where I discovered his name. Because ah. up to that, because I mean, they never put credits on the comics in Vulcan. So it wasn't until 2000 AD uh, did a review of the Hamlin edition of Trial Empire that, you know, that it wasn't until then that I discovered his name, you know, put a name to his work. Oh, uh, fantastic. I mean, there's the 2000 AD connection for us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there are others. I mean, he did, he did a cover uh, to Judge Dredd, didn't he? Uh, oh, do you remember the brain blooms where the old lady was? Oh growing? yes, yes, yes. Of course, he did the cover to that, and originally uh, he drew the old lady about to cut the heads off with a scythe. Is that how you pronounce it? A scythe? Yeah, uh, that's it. Yeah, and um, uh, they re- they rejected that because they said it was too violent for a kids' comic, and so he then drew one where she was just watering them with a watering can. And I think they just thought that was too boring. So they they actually ended up putting a photocopy of Judge Dredd from Carlos's artwork over the top of it. But uh, so the only thing that remains of it is the heads. I'd completely forgotten that, but you're, yes, you remind me now. Yes, I do remember that story of it being pasted over the old lady. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've got it. I've got a copy of the old lady somewhere. It's in. It got reprinted in a Dutch book somewhere. It's pretty interesting to see. To see, it, it, I mean, to be honest, it, it didn't make a great cover with, with the old lady. I don't, I don't think it would have been a big seller, but um, the heads look great. The heads uh, looked great, yes. So that's... And also, we missed out on an opportunity for him to, to draw Judge Dredd. Well, they should have just got him to draw Judge Dredd. So, you Can know, you I'm imagine not... that, you know, Judge Dredd in this style? Oh, my God. Yeah, Judge Dredd makes a cameo in um, one of the Storm books. Does he? Oh, right. There's a scene where Storm gets in a like a, a 
brawl. There's lots of people punching each other out. One of the people getting punched, I think, by storm is Judge Dredd. Oh, uh, right. Okay. I've never, I, actually, I confess I've never read any of the Storm stuff, but I'm, you know, having looked at this volume, I'm fascinated by it. But, uh, okay, we'll come back to that. I was always trying to talk Don into doing a Judge Dredd. I said, oh, you should do one, Don. It'd be amazing. Absolutely amazing. And uh, indeed it would, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there, there and also, I think when I was drawing, amongst my first Judge Dreads, I think, uh, I think I was having trouble with one of the figures and, uh, and he sort of sketched in a, a figure for me of, of Judge Dredd. So I, I kind of inked over that. I'll have to dig that one out. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But like, just for one panel. Uh, ah, pencils by Don Lawrence, inks by Chris Weston. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd, I'd love to have seen him do a Judge Dredd. Yes, absolutely astonishing. So how did you sort of come, once you knew his name, how did you come to meet him? Oh, yeah, so, sorry, I've, I've gone off on a weird tangent. That's uh, all right, it's good stuff. Okay, so I I'm, I now knew Don Lawrence's name, and uh, eventually I dis- discovered, uh, I think they brought out one edition of Storm in English. I can't remember who published it. It wasn't IPC or, or Fleetway. It was just some sort of you know, weird publisher I'd never heard of. No, I remember finding it in... Um, our, W.H. Smith going, it's the Trigon Empire, it's amazing. And uh, I remember buying that. Uh, so, and not long after that, there was a new kid at school and I was just chatting to him and I, and I asked him, um, you know, what does your dad do? And he said, oh, he's a, a, uh, he's a comic strip illustrator. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, what was he drawn? What's his name? He went, uh, Don Lawrence. I was like... <laughs> What? No way! Actually, the, the, the full story to this is uh, literally the the day before I'd written a letter to Jimmy Savile. Oh, uh, I know for to go on Jim will fix it and to ask Jim to fix it for me to meet Don Lawrence and. Luckily, I never got to post it because literally the next day I bumped into his son at my school. So how weird is that? Uh, A lucky escape there, Chris. History could have been very different. Yes. (laughs) This podcast could be very different. Yeah, it could have taken a dark turn, yes. I know. So I never sent the letter to uh, Jimmy and instead uh, bumped into his son at school and and I I pestered him. I've got to meet your dad. Um, And, you know, I showed him... Uh, all my Vulcan comics, and uh, actually, my dad had removed all the Trigon Empire pages from my Vulcan comics and got them professionally bound. So I had like my own, and I still got it. I got my had my own little volume of the Trigon Empire. Uh, it, my my uncle was a bookbinder. He used to, he used to restore the books at the, the British Museum. He he he, he restored the Doomsday Book. Oh. Uh, and he kindly bound all my Trigon Empire pages into one volume for me. It's uh, you know it's one of those things. If if my studio ever caught fire, that's probably what I'd run run in and go and rescue. Fantastic. Anyway, I showed this to Kai, Don's son. Look, this proves it. I'm, I'm his biggest fan in the world. I've got to meet him, and uh, so. Um, 
luckily Don was a very generous person with his time and said, yeah, come on up and, uh, and you know, say hello. Yeah, I think he was quite astonished that, well, I don't think, I know he was astonished that, you know, someone as young as me and uh, knew his work, because I think he was quite sceptical. He said, well, what do you know me from? I said, well, the Trigon Empire and Storm. And, and so when I went up, I showed him my, you know, my bound book. And uh, I think I convinced him I was a genuine fan. Um, and from then on, as I say, he's extremely generous at his time and uh, let me occasionally pop up, visit him in the studio, and I just sit there and watch him work. It's, it's astonishing. Fantastic. He's very tolerant of me. And was that sometime in the 80s then, I presume? Uh, that was about 1983. Right. And that sort of carried on until... Uh, 87. Uh, I think... A couple of years later, he, um, I think, I think in '86, he took on Liam Sharp, who also lived in my town at the time, uh, as Don's to be trained as Don's assistant. Yes, and and Liam does the uh, introduction for this first volume. Yeah, and uh, what a hot spot of artistic talent that town must have been. <laughs> oh yeah, amazing! It, it was a, it was a. I mean, eventually, you know, Liam and I had already sort of bumped into each other by coincidence because I used to work in a cafe and he used to come in with his uh, college friends. And so I got to meet Liam through that. Uh, I mean, well, so I was extremely envious of his uh, position as Don's assistant, as you can imagine. Yes. Uh, uh, but, but after Don, after Liam had finished with his, his year, because Liam's a year older than me, but after... Liam's finished his year with Don. Don then generously offered to train me for a year. Uh, this must have been, uh, oh, God, 87? I, it's either 87 or 88. Um, right. My, my memory is going. Um, so when you train with a great artist like that, what, what's the process? What, what does he set you to do? Oh. Uh, well, he always maintained that, he couldn't teach me to draw. He says, you, you can't teach anyone to draw. They can only teach themselves to draw. You know, he said he can give me a space where I can sort of, uh, you know, work and learn to draw myself. Um, but he said what he can do is he can teach me techniques like uh, studying how to compose a page um, he was very, he was very big on the composition of a page. And I didn't quite, I couldn't quite wrap my wrap my head around it as a kid. I didn't really know what he meant by composition, but um, but just how a page hangs together with the balance. Obviously, obviously, I understand it now. Um, uh, he, he was very big on that. How when you open a page, it's got to be easy on the eye, you know you know, and a nice shape to look at. Right. Uh, like, for example, he'd always say, if you have, if you got on, he always liked figures in the, to be facing into the page. So, like, if, you, if you've got, like, like, a headshot in any of the corner panels of the page, they shouldn't be looking off the comic, they should be looking into the comic. It's pretty good advice, that. Right, Okay. 
it helps you know draw you into the page yes i can see what you mean looking at some of the trigon pages here yeah yeah i think it's very rare if you've got a corner panel with a character looking off off the page and at that time that you were studying with him was he sort of surrounded by any of this artwork you know oh yeah it was amazing you know it, it was just a it's like the art, the art studio of your dreams, really. Just lots of paintbrushes and paints and books. And uh, he had a, a bar billiard table. Um, so whenever he got fed up with drawing, he'd go and play bar billiards. I mean, it was bare floorboards. It's, it's pretty much the, the art studio of your dreams, really. I mean, his book collection was amazing. He introduced me to so many artists uh, that I was unaware of. Like, uh, he introduced me to Mobius. Right. Uh, who I'd never, you know, encountered before. In fact, I remember he showed me this Mobius book and I said, but this guy's stuff is just like Colin Wilson's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't realise it was the other way around, you know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but going back to the training, so um, he, said, he said he could teach me the techniques of uh, comic book creation, sort of uh, like inking, uh, and penciling, and the way the way he'd do that was, yeah, I he'd get me to do recreations of existing comic book pages. Like he'd either pick a page, or he'd ask me uh, to pick a page from artists I like. Basically, do a recreation of, of the, the the page and scale it up uh, by 150 percent. Uh, and and the way you you scaled up was like literally like you'd measure the panel in the comic. And if it was like 10 centimeters high, you'd then have to pencil it in on your board, 15 centimeters high with, with, with a ruler. So I actually got quite good at maths while I was doing it as well, constantly measuring and then multiplying it. Um, uh, so I don't, I, I ended up with this like pile of, of, of recreations of artists. I like, like, Obviously, there was Mobius because who I fell in love with through Don's introduction. Um, Brian Bolland, obviously, who was like my second favorite comic book artist at the time. Yeah, D- Dave Gibbons, and, uh, the 2008 artist, basically. All uh, right, I do. I do recreations of their work and 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 Don's work too. Uh, so did re- he set you Trigon pages to... to- no, I didn't page Storm. Storm, right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was really slow, painstaking work. It actually takes a lot longer to recreate a page of artwork than it does to draw one new. Because you've, you've, you've basically got to slow down and study what you're looking at. I think, and, and to be honest, I think that was the real, real point of the exercise. It wasn't wasn't just to teach me how to ink and that it was to teach me how to have the stamina to get the job done really and to teach me discipline just to sit there and draw because actually doing the recreations I found it pretty tedious uh, I mean I, I was eager to get drawing my own stuff really to, so to sit there and, and for six months copying other people's work was quite uh, I'll be honest about it it was, it was, it was, a, it was a tedious process but I think he, I think he knew he was doing it because I think it at the end of the day it taught me how to just sit down and draw really and just get on with the job. And 
looking back now, you know, do you sort of find yourself with your current artwork? Do you think to yourself, oh yes, that's what Don showed me when you when you're doing something, or uh, does it? Do you call him to mind sometimes when you're doing working on particular pieces of art? Uh, I don't think I do. No, no, because I, I don't actually think my work's anything like his. Um, I think I have a comp- there's, there's an Indonesian artist his, his name escapes me and he, he's like I mean after Rob Van Barvel he's probably the second biggest Don Lawrence fan in the universe um, probably even more than me because I, I've discovered other artists now um, you know in my I mean, if I, if I if you put a gun to my head and put me on a lie detector, I'd probably say Mobius is my favourite artist now. Right. Um, but there's a guy in Indonesia uh, who paints in Don's style, and he's just he's got it exactly. He's completely nailed it. Um, so I don't actually to get back to my point. I don't. I I, I can't see much uh, Don Lawrence in my work at all. Strangely enough, other people said they can see it, but um, I can't see it myself. Okay. Um, I just, you know, a couple of other things. I mean, I'm fascinated because this was, he was doing presumably his Storm artwork and posting it off to to Holland, I guess, was he? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Back, You know, back in the day when you had to parcel up the artwork and post it off every week. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, I mean, astonished all that, all this artwork crisscrossing the continent back then. Um, I, think, I think occasionally someone would come and collect it, right? Uh, someone from the Dutch office. I haven't, I haven't thought about this for years, but I think I think occasionally someone would pop over and pick it up. You know, which was always an excuse to go to the uh, the Eight Bells in Jevington, where Don lives. Don lived for a pint. Oh, right. I think Martin. Ludovic, the writer, popped over a couple of times. That was another great thing about his studio. There was always uh, people coming and going. I mean, um, uh, Ian Gibson used to pop in. And, I mean, you know, I, was, I was a huge Ian Gibson fan as well. And, I mean, he only lived up the road in Bexhill, so he'd pop in and say hello to Don. Astonishing. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty amazing. Always hoped Brian Bolland would come in, but... Uh, <laughs> it, uh, that never happened. <laughs> but interestingly, I mean, you mentioned Brian Bolland and Dave Gibbons because they've both obviously they've both credited Don Lawrence as being huge influences on them. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And 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 I know Neil Gaiman cites the Trigon Empire and Look and Learn as being like you know one of his formative experiences with comics as well. Yeah, yeah. And I found just another name quickly: uh, Apri Cusbian Toro. Was that the chap? Is that the Indonesian guy? Yeah, I think yeah, so. That's him, yeah. All right. He's amazing. He's, he's, he's totally nailed it. Has he? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I'll have to look at his work as well. It's, you know, it sounds fascinating. Um, as you say, because Don Lawrence's, you know, work has gone round the world. Um, and it's huge, as we've said already, you know, creators, huge influence on their work. This, this staggering, the Trigon Empire and also Storm. And if we go back to the artwork itself, I mean, I I mentioned this in our outline notes that just to me it looked like every page should be hanging in a gallery somewhere. Yeah, as yeah. everyone is stunning. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And it's just you know, as you say, glorious Technicolor. The colours that he uses are just wonderful. This alien planet, 
these various different alien races. But the sunsets, the skies, the sand. I mean, it is, you know, it is, as you say, it is a bit sort of um, sand and swords and uh, yeah. Romans and everything. But it's just immense, the artwork. It's just fantastic. Yeah, it really looks like a film from the 1950s, isn't it? It does. It really does. Yes, it is. Glorious Technicolor, as we keep saying. Mm, yeah, yeah. And various reprints over the years, as you've said, Hamlin, Vulcan, um, mm. and now we've got Rebellion and Treasury British Comics, who are bringing out, I think, four volumes of his work? I, I thought it was three, but I could be wrong. Oh, right, OK. I know there's a second one out later this year, isn't yeah, there? I volume think it's three, yeah. Right. So let's talk a little bit about the original artwork, because you said that it. Uh, we know that this is from scans of the original artwork. Yeah. Was that all from Rob Van Barvel's sort of uh, work then and, and efforts? Yes, yes. I mean, yeah, he was like Don's unofficial archivist, really. He's a really, really nice guy. And as I say, probably the, the biggest Don Lawrence fan in the world. And uh, when was all this happening? When was he scanning all this work in before it was being presumably sold and scattered to the four winds around the world? Oh, my God. I don't know. Um, it's either not long after Don passed away or 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 just before. I mean, Don, Don's been dead um, 12 years now, yeah. I think. I suspect, it's, given the state of technology, it was probably just after... But um, I mean, I, I mean, as he'd been publishing Don's work for years anyway, uh, sort of even pub, been publishing fan, Don Lawrence fanzines and art of books. He'd pretty much archived everything Don had done throughout his career. Really, I mean, he'd, he'd reprinted Carl the Viking and Eric the Viking. Um, I mean. You know, if if Don did an idle doodle while he was on the phone, somehow Rob Van Barvel would have got hold of it and published it in a in a Don Lawrence fanzine. And when I say a fanzine, that, that sort of brings to mind like a, a small photocopied thing. Now, Rob always had a real high quality productions with it, with it, with his fanzines. I mean, they you know they were proper like hardback and leather bound, really beautiful sort of top notch printing. Oh right, okay. And so presumably then Don had kept his artwork or most of his artwork with him then until he, you know, sadly passed away. But he got it back while I was working with him. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was probably after Maxwell died. Okay, fell think, off the boat, yeah. I think whoever took a... I think either before they sold it on to someone else, I think someone did Don a favour... And just went to the warehouse and scooped it all up and just took it around to him and said, this belongs to you. Oh, thank goodness. I know. I mean, and it was every single page. It was the whole lot. Astonishing. I mean, well, how nice to hear a happy story about yeah, an artist's yeah. original work actually returning to them. Yeah. Actually, I, I take that back. I think there were a couple of pages missing. Because I remember Rob saying to me, Rob Van Barvel saying... Um, uh, when, he, when he was talking about reprinting it, and, and I said, oh, does that mean you've got every page? He says, no, he hasn't got every page, but he has got the film for the missing pages. So they haven't had to reproduce by, you know, by scanning in old copies. They've either had, I mean, I think they had about 95% of the original pages, and what they didn't have, they had film of. 
Great. I think you spot them if you get when you go through it. The pages that are from film rather than freshly scanned. Right. Okay. You. I mean, you can spot those, can you? Uh, I can. Yeah, definitely. Right. I'll have to look closer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, having film is pretty good. I mean, that's the same film they used to print it in Look and Learn. So it's pretty damn good. And it's pretty astonishing, you know, to actually um, for them to have as you say, scans or film. So they yeah. haven't had to do the sort of uh, scanning and restoring and cleaning up old copies. Well, I think we're really lucky, really, really lucky. I mean, you wouldn't be able to do it with my work. I mean, I've, I've sold off so many of my pages of artwork. If someone wanted to do a, like a collection of my work, you'd be buggered, really. Right, OK. When your Rob Van Barvel comes along, it'll be a harder chore. Oh, I haven't got a Rob Van Barvel yet. <laughs> one day so it i mean it's astonishing work i mean it really if people haven't seen any trigon empire do yourself a favor and get hold of this volume um have you been out have they sent you a copy of the uh the hardback or paperback yet chris oh yes yes i have i've got uh i've got two of the hardback the the ones with my cover on it and one of the softback all right we'll come to your cover variants in a moment as well and you mentioned that you did own a don lawrence page do you still have it i have two yes two pages and are they storm or trigons uh trigon one's slightly faded now (laughs) yes (laughs) okay for yeah being ignorant about the effect of sunlight on inks uh, you know, it's still it's still in good condition, but it's, it's only me noticing. Mm, I better take that down. Yeah, uh, another page in pristine con- condition. Fantastic. Uh, he, he, uh, he gave them to me for my 18th birthday. Oh, really? Yeah. How kind is that? It is, isn't it? I know. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, what an amazing chap, you know, as an inspiration to so many, mentor to yourself and Liam Sharp, presumably to other artists as well, I should think. Oh yeah, yeah. There was a couple came in. There was um, a guy called Dominic who came in and studied with him as well. Uh, he went. He didn't go into comics. I think he's in the computer game industry now, probably making way more money than me. But um, so yeah, there were others. I think uh, Clint Langley popped in for for a day while I was there. This was, a, like I say, this was an artistic hotspot, a sort of like a <laughs> nexus yeah. of artistic talent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how kind, you know, was it of him? And it's something, you know, I, I, I'm aware of the huge debt I owe him, really. And, and I've, I've been, and it's something I try and do to pay back that karmic debt. I, I've had, I've taken on apprentices and work experience people myself. Uh, there's a guy called uh, Carl Fitzgerald. You know, he studied with me for a year. And that was like me sort of paying back the karmic debt, really, that I owed Don, really. That's uh, that's amazing. I mean, uh, you know, not only have we got his glorious artwork to look at, we've also got his legacy as a teacher, as a mentor um, yeah. to yeah. so many others, and an inspiration. You know, his work yeah. inspired all these great creators when they were seeing his uh, Trigon Empire pages. Yeah, yeah. He was a tough teacher, though. Was I, he? I, I, I'm, I'm much nicer than... Um, <laughs> he could be brutal. Oh. In terms of criticising your pages and stuff like oh, yes. that. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I mean, as I say, when I was doing these recreations, he could spot instantly where I'd diverted from the original and, you know, tell me off for it uh, and point out all the mistakes and stuff. And, you know, even when I'd stopped being his apprentice, I'd, 
occasionally take my work up to go and visit him and show him what I was up to and he'd cast a critical eye over it yeah I can never he's, he's, he's always a, a, I'm not sure I ever really you know impressed him too much <laughs> I think he I think maybe possibly just towards the end of his life I, I showed him some of the work I was doing on the filth and he did he did sort of like raise his eyebrows and look at me and go this is this is really good, Chris. And I was like, "Wow, <laughs> thank you!" Finally, <laughs> finally, you've impressed him. Yeah, yeah, probably right at the, the, the very end. Yeah, but uh, he 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 could be. Uh, but, I mean, Liam will agree as well. He could be brutally frank. But you know, that's I mean, in a way, that's what you want, isn't it? When yeah. you know, um, mm. that's I guess I suppose how you're going to improve if he's going to be pointing stuff out to you. Yeah, yeah. And it's not as if you couldn't, you know, look at his work and say, oh, well, yeah, actually, he's probably earned it. You know, he can do this. I mean, I know he's like it with his, his other art, with, with other, his other professionals as well. <laughs> I remember, maybe I'm going to drop a major uh, name drop clanger here. I went to a convention with Don, I think it was the UCAC 88 again, and Mobius was there. And, and, and Don and Mobius knew each other. Uh, from the um, you know European comic convention scene, so they were, like, they were just like old friends catching up. And Don had seen the Silver Surfer. All right, yeah. And Don absolutely hated superhero books. It's like scolding Mobius, going, "What are you doing? Doing this rubbish for? This is terrible." And, and <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, he's telling off Mobius. <laughs> but luckily, Mobius saw the other other side. Mobius is really giggling and going, I'm sorry, Don, and pretending to bow and go, I promise I'll never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, amazing. And, of course, you know, you've, you stayed in touch. He sadly passed away, as you say, 2008 then, I guess, was it? Yeah, that's right. Um, and you're still in touch with his widow. Yeah, yeah. Good. I mean, I hope uh, I hope she's getting sent a copy of this lovely book as well because. You oh, know, I hope so. I meant to look into it. Uh, I haven't got around to it yet, but I'll make sure she gets one. Right, because uh, you know what a um, a stunning tribute to him. Because it, you know, I, we've mentioned Mike Butterworth, but it's really it's Don Lawrence's book. This isn't it? It just it's, it's an artist led book. I think. Yeah, it is. It's a bit like Dan Dare, isn't it? You know, the Frank Hampson done there, you don't really remember the stories that much. You just remember the, the amazing artwork. Yes, you remember those sort of like glorious initial two or three page colour, you know, work by uh, Frank Hampson, don't you? And then this is this is what right up there with it or above it even, you know, this yeah. work. Yeah. I'm amazing that they never asked him to draw down there. Yeah. You'd think he'd be a logical choice. Absolutely, yes. I mean, you know, he's wonderful sort of space stuff, yeah. Yeah, no, but he, I said, did you never get asked to do Dundee? And he's like, no, no, not at all. Maybe it's, maybe it's, but he didn't because he's ended up with the Trigon Empire, which is all his own. So you've mentioned that you've got two pages. We have this game, the you know, the Grail page game, where we pretend we've got an unlimited budget and we can access all this artwork. Is yeah. there a particular page, possibly from this first collected volume of the Trigon Empire, that you would also like to own and hang on a wall behind um, presumably UV blocking glass. Oh yes, next time I've learned my lesson there. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I think possibly one of the pages from the, the very first story I saw in Vulcan comic, 
which is the one where they go to the moon and there's like a giant robot octopus. Oh, yes. Yeah, I remember. Yep. It's a giant sort of gorilla man, isn't there? Yeah. With pointy teeth. Uh, well, I, I, I think there's a great page where the giant octopus wrecks a, a giant satellite dish, smashes up a giant satellite dish. Or I think it's just a laser gun, actually. It's a giant space laser. Uh, I'll take that page, please. Thank you very much. I don't know why... It, I had my whole pick of them. I, I don't know why I didn't pick of it, really, <laughs> at the time. Yeah, well, there you go. I will find that image and I will post it on the uh, the various social media when this episode comes out yeah, uh, yeah. on the 29th of March, which, as I say, will be uh, 10 days after the publication of The Rise and Fall of the Trigon Empire, Volume 1, uh, which you can get from the 2000 AD online store um, in paperback for... 1999 and it is worth every earth penny of that and more yeah get, get a hardback edition with, with my cover i say well tell us about that because there was a limited edition hardback on the 2000 ad store but you've done a a variant cover for uh is it a retailer variant cover yeah i think so oh don't ask me which shop no. or somewhere like that or forbidden planet or somewhere and that's a hardback edition yeah, God, I wonder what Don would have made of that. <laughs> I dread to think. <laughs> and, you know, I, I said that you'd done one variant cover, but actually I think I've seen about four or five different versions you tr- you did. Um, they were just roughs. Right. <laughs> Those are roughs? They're astonishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah or prelims. prelims. Everyone tells me off for using that word. Um, uh, I, they, they were prelims because... I, I, I just got into it, really, and every time I'd finish one, I'd get an idea for another one, so I ended up doing four, spending far too long on them. And I think they picked the right one. I, I'm, I'm pleased with the, the finished cover. I, I did consider actually trying to paint it in Don's style, you know, going for the full painted, you know, crank out the, uh, the, 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 the paints, the, the, the gouache, and seeing if I could do it. But it, I, I chickened out, I'm afraid. I, and then I, I kind of thought, I think for something as special as this, uh, it's better I do a, a first-class Chris Weston job, to mention myself in the third person, pretentiously. Um, I think it's better to do a, a first-class Chris Weston rather than a second-class Don Lawrence, really. So I, did, I, I secretly wanted to do it, paint it, but uh, no, I thought, no, do, make, make sure it's a good job in, in, in your own style, really. OK, well, I will be posting images of uh, your variant cover and also your prelims, which are also amazing. But your cover is fantastic. Was it, I mean, was it a delight to, you know, to turn back to the Trigon Empire and produce a piece of artwork for it? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'd have uh, been very upset if they'd asked someone else. <laughs> 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 felt like uh you know you know i hope you can feel the love you know in every stroke of line i've put on that cover um you know it's 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 come from a I, i've written the forward to uh the second volume uh it's actually i actually find it found it quite emotional to write you know did, did, the tears did well up in my eyes while i was writing it yeah uh, i can imagine yes because uh, I hadn't really, I mean, I've been so busy, like, having kids and making a living. I, I rarely get 
a chance to stop and think about it and put you know, you know, I really get a chance to do what we're doing now, really, to actually sit and think about, you know, how lucky I've been and what, what an, an uh, important part of my life uh, Don's been. And so, you know, I find it quite emotional writing the forward and, you know, and doing the cover is just very much, you know, I, I knew that uh, I was, you know, trying to do, you know, make it as good as I possibly could. And it's yeah, it's wonderful. I mean, if you'd if you'd told the fourteen year old uh, Chris Weston that he one day would be doing a cover for a collected edition of the Dragon, oh, well, yeah, yeah, would it have blown your mind? Oh, definitely, definitely, amazing, yeah. <laughs> but as I say, I can <laughs> I dread to think what Don would think of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are delighted to have it because it is one of the most astonishing pieces. Of British comic book art um, that it, that possibly could exist, really. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just superlative, isn't it? A couple of years ago, uh, I did actually work on a did, did create some concept art for a potential Trigon Empire TV show. I heard rumours about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, once again, you know, because of my connection with Don, they, they, um, uh, I think Andy. I, I think they approached Andy Lanning, uh, and in, 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 in an act of street, extreme gentlemanliness and generosity, he says, "No, you don't want to get me. You want to get Chris Weston. He, he studied with Don Lawrence, so he turned it down, but suggested me instead. And so I got the gig to do, you know, try an Empire art for that, which is great. It, it would have been a great TV show." But you know, fortunately, things never re- you know really work out for the best. And as we know from you know waiting for our Judge Dread TV show. <laughs> yes, yes, these things go away for a long time, and who knows what's happening. Um, which which brings me, you know, you know another thing I probably want to say about Trigon Empire. Um, I think it's got a lot of similarities with Judge Dread. Uh, right. I thought I, I thought this while I was working on the TV show of. Trigon Empire, because while one one's about sort of you know space dirty Harry, uh, and one's like space Spartacus, you probably don't, wouldn't think they've got much in common, but they they do remind me of each other, and uh, I I mean I think in both cases, like the lead character in the story uh, isn't a person; it's the city. Yes. Uh, I mean, the, 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 most of the stories in Trigon Empire take place, you know, or, or, or start off in the in in Trigon Trigon City. And there's lots of stories where it faces invasions or uh, alien plants. It's very similar to uh, you know all the stuff that goes on in Mega City One of giant robots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the only difference is is. The Dragon City is very much like an ensemble cast of characters, and it doesn't have that central single lead character that Judge Dredd has. Right. But even Judge Dredd is changing that way. I mean, Judge Dredd is far more like an ensemble piece these days than it used to be, isn't it? With yeah. all the, the secondary characters like Chief Judge Logan, and you know, uh, and Hershey's and Rico and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Dirty Frank, of course. Uh, yeah. Is it Gerhardt? Yeah, 
But yeah, so I suppose you know Trigo and his followers and he's sort of like um as you say the cast in the uh, the city is great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And they're both fascist they're both stories about fascist societies as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I hadn't thought of it that way at all, but you're quite right. Yeah, there are similarities there. Yeah. So anything else to mention about the Trigon Empire collection apart from to say just buy it? Oh yeah, definitely buy it. I, I would I strongly urge people yes absolutely fantastic so volume one is out volume two we think is november 2020 you've done the forward for that one yeah i don't know the cover i haven't, I haven't been asked to do the cover but they better do a good job right <laughs> <laughs> or do or do i secretly want them to do a bad job so i can say oh mine was better yeah that's right <laughs> no, <I'm not> that. <laughs> look at your astonishing piece of artwork which will be up there as well no it'd be nice nice to get like a um well obviously liam should have a crack at it i think yes That'd be really good. I hope they've asked him as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but if um, if Liam's unavailable, he's pretty. He's a pretty busy guy at the moment. He's drawing a few big comics, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. It'd be nice to see them. You know, get a classic. Get one of the um, sort of artists who were influenced. One of the other artists who've been influenced by Don, like a big namer, like a like a Brian Bolland or or a Dave Gibbons. That'd be quite nice to see. It would. Do you know? Yeah. I tell you who I think would do a good version. Um, uh, Arthur Ransom. Oh, that would be astonishing, wouldn't it? Yeah, he's his black and white line work is very similar to Don's black and white line work. I think I can see a lot of uh, shared uh, style, you know, uh, techniques there. And I've, and funnily enough, I sort of see a bit of May's World, or I see a bit of the Trigon Empire in May's World. Oh yeah, yeah. I think he's retired though, isn't he? Unfortunately, yes, he is. Yeah. We could lure him out to do a Trigon cover. Just one cover. Yeah, come on. Come on, Arthur. He's a lovely guy. Uh, um, I, I, I once wrote, wrote to him and said, oh, can I buy a page of original art? And he just sent one to me completely free. How kind was that? That's and, amazing. Uh, and I got back to him and said, right, what's your, you know, I'm, I'm, let me give you one of my pages. He said, no, honestly, I don't need it. It's fine. You know, he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't take one off me. Uh, how kind was that? A page of Bun Man. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. And two pages given to you for your 18th by Don Lawrence as well. Yeah, I'm doing bad, am I? Yeah, we, we can go <laughs> off people, Chris. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, Chris, it's been fantastic talking about the Trigon Empire and particularly about, you know, the legacy of Don Lawrence and this absolutely astonishing book. Uh, we have to thank, as I say, the Treasury of British Comics for doing such a good job on the reproduction and also Rob Van Barvel for being oh, yeah, sort yeah. of as you say, archivist and curator of his work. Of all this as well. Cool. It's guest projects time, Chris. Oh, what's this? So this is where we talk about your work. Okay. So we mentioned your collection of Judge Pin stories, Judge Dread Control. That's coming out later this year, the stuff you did with Rob Williams. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, uh, you know, that was great stuff. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, it's lovely. I mean, and particularly, I loved your uh, and also the covers you did for those as well on the prog. Oh, Judge Pin was such a memorable and menacing creation. Yeah, yeah, she was. She was. She she was strong but unstable, wasn't she? Yes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, very very true. And is yeah. there any other 2000 AD work coming up that you you can talk about? Uh, I've just submitted a dread a picture episode, Judge Dread. I've just come off one of those uh, film projects I'm not allowed to mention because I've signed the A's. You could probably guess what it is. 
<laughs> uh, I've worked on one before. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so there's a possibility of going back on that. So I'm kind of in limbo at the moment. But I thought, I, I, in in the meantime, because that because the the thing I was working on got postponed. So I may get a chance to go back. I'm probably the coronavirus is going to affect that, and who knows? Yeah, we'll see. So at the moment, um, I'm just in, in. In it's very hard to commit to other stuff at the moment. If I've got a possibility of going back and earning film money, so I've just been doing a working my way through my commission list, and I had an idea for dread strips. So I've just submitted that to Tharg. I've got I've got approval from Tharg, but I am meddling with proper Judge Dredd law, so L-O-R-E, uh, so they've got to run it by John Wagner, so we're waiting to hear back from John Wagner whether he'll approve of what I want to do to one of his creations. Ooh, okay. Mm, yeah, that's I can say, yeah. I'm, I'm really going to uh, put, stick the boot in, put it that way, on one of John Wagner's creations, uh, and hopefully John will say yes. We'll sign off on it, okay? Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Well, look out for Judge Dread Control. Anyway, the collection edition of that, which will be out soon. Oh, great, thank you. I think that's possibly June or July of this year, I think. Yeah, looking forward to it. And then you've mentioned your film work. I mean, famously storyboard artist on um, The Book of Eli with Denzel Washington, which is a fantastic film. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, possibly along with, um, you know, after working with Don Lawrence, I think working on that has probably been one of the greatest experiences of my career, really. It's so much fun. It look, I mean, well, the film was so much fun, and yeah, it must have been fantastic working on that. Yeah, I, mean, I was actually out in New Mexico for a few months as well. So, you know, it was my first of a film. It was real, you know, being thrown in the deep end. But luckily, you know, I was in good hands. You know, I made, made a lot of good friends on it. Uh, and, and, and it was a big budget film, but it felt, in comparison to other films I've worked on since, it felt like an indie movie, really. And everyone was so, such good fun on it. I mean, oh, God, I'm going to name drop now. But people like uh, Gary Oldman, just, just, we just felt like a, a gang of maids really just stuck out in, in the New Mexico desert making a like a, a small film together. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I've got nothing but good things to say about Gary Oldman. He he's really real like one of the lads, really. Was he, he right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, at lunchtime you you go out to the catering tent and you'd be in a queue with a tray with you know behind like a a gaffer or <laughs> whatever they are <laughs> or a cameraman or a best boy or whatever they're called yeah, yeah. Yeah. and then and then and there'd be like Gary Ullman standing there with his tray sort of wandering along and uh and you know, actually just like hang out with the crew and you'd just be like one of the gang really it's pretty amazing Fantastic. I mean, it's, you know, and I mean this in a good way. The film was almost, I thought, like a terrific comic book in itself. Yeah, yeah. It had that sort of wonderful feel to it. It's a fact, you know, it's a great film. Um, For me, it was like, yes, here's my opportunity to put the Cursed Earth on the screen. Yes. I mean, I was, I mean, you could pretty much publish my storyboards as a graphic novel. And to me, I was, you know, I I sort of consider it like an, 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 an unofficial Unofficial, that's hard to say, uh, 2000 AD film, because to me, I was making a 2000 AD film. 
Right. With all the, the burnt out buildings and sort of road signs and rusty road signs and stuff. I mean, it, would, it wouldn't feel out of place in 2080. No, it wouldn't at all. No, absolutely. And then how did you come to be work? How did you come to work on The Last Jedi? It was all due to a, a storyboard artist I know called Dave Alcock. Right. He was the storyboard artist on it, and it was a massive task, obviously. So they needed someone else to help. And again, you know, Dave Alcock was very generous and said, oh, you want to get Chris Weston? I'll show you his stuff. So he showed them my stuff online. And the head of the art department said, yeah, I love it, but I don't want him for the storyboard. I want, he should be in the costume department. And so I got sent over, I got a call saying, you know, how would you like to come out and work in the costume department? So it's a complete departure for me. So I went up to the costume time and discovered I was in the same building as Jock. Oh, right. <laughs> yes. So, you know, the, another 2008 connection. And I love the story that the, you, I think you told on the Thrillcast with Michael Mulcher about they said they were talking about the Canto Bite, I think, setting, and they asked you about designing some sort of vaguely fascistic uh, space cops. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've come to the right man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's very funny. In fact, there's even a line of dialogue where one of these space cops says the word perps, isn't there? Yes. The perps are inside. And, and yeah, hopefully you can see a bit of 2000 AD DNA in in them. Fantastic. And, of course, uh, as you say, there are other film projects, but you probably can't talk about them, I gather. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I can't say any more because... I'm, I'm sure my studio's bugged on the moment I blab. Yes, no, no. Don't SWAT do team comes in through the window. Absolutely. So, Chris, that's fantastic. We've been talking about The Rise and Fall of the Trigon Empire Volume 1, um, which, as we say, is just an astonishing piece of work. Thank you so much for sharing your memories, oh, Don Lawrence. I hope, it, I hope it was uh, interesting and useful. Very. It's fascinating stuff, and it is just such a glorious book um it was a wonder to just rediscover it i had come across it in look and learn because i I mean i'm old i remember look and learn um but yeah wonderful stuff oh great glad you like it i mean i I mean it's you know it's one of the best looking yeah i mean it's never been printed as as nicely as this i don't think no absolutely and, you know, as I say, it is wonders that the, the Treasury of British Comics is putting out these beautiful collections. Oh, we're so lucky, aren't we? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, but where's the steel claw and the spider? That's what I want to know. Nothing's been announced on that front, is it? Talking of steel claw, have you not just done or is coming up a cover for the, is oh, it the yeah, Action right. Smash yeah, special? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's another chance to, you know, draw some of my favourite characters. So you've got the spider, you've got Johnny Future, I think, My Tech the Mighty's on there. Yeah. Absolutely. I will post that image as well because it's glorious as well. And that's I think is that is the Action Smash special, I think, is it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Great. So that's more glorious work to look at as well. It's a beautiful yeah. another beautiful cover image. Oh, thanks very much. And I, and the Black Max as well. I've done the cover for the next volume of Black Max. Oh yes, I remember. Yes, I've seen that as well. That's beautiful as well. You're again. You're such a good fit for Black Max as well. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, that's great stuff. Um, yeah, um, I mean, recently, uh, Tin and Trevelyan uh, has drawn some Black Max. You know, within the pages of two thousand, I thought he did a great job. Really, really, really impressed with that. Yes, lovely stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I think crossing over with the fiends of the Eastern Front, as you said. Yeah, yeah. Great. So all this lovely stuff to look at. And of course, as we say, the rise and fall of the Trigon Empire, Volume 1. And uh, thanks again to Rob Van Barvel for uh, being the curator of all this wonderful stuff. Yeah, yeah. We're in big thanks there. And thank you to everybody for listening to Mega City Book Club. Do join us next time when we'll be talking about some more great books. If you want to get in touch, email me mcbcpodcast at gmail.com or find all the details of the podcast at megacitybookclub.com. And a huge thanks to Chris Weston for being my guest on this episode. Chris, it's been great. Thank you. And thanks. If people manage to get through this podcast, thanks for putting up with my horrible whiny high-pitched voice no it's been wonderful (laughs) wonderful memories of don and his uh work and his mentorship as a teacher and also you must if you can you must share with me that um judge dread panel that he sort of did the pencils as it were yeah yeah. and maybe granny with the uh, scythe and the braid blooms or the watering can yeah yeah definitely and um and the the day the um Trigon Empire book goes on sale. Um, I'm, I'm going to show off my concept art for the TV show for it as well. Oh, fantastic. Something to look out for as well. Yeah, yeah. Will that be on your Twitter feed or...? Yeah, Twitter and Facebook. Great. I've got permission to show it off now, which sadly means that it is... Probably not going to be made. It's not going to happen, yeah, yeah. Okay, so until next time on Mega City Book Club, when we're passing judgment on another great book, uh, it's time for goodbyes. It's a huge goodbye from me and... And me, Chris Weston. (laughs) 